0: How are you? I'm good. How does this sound? Uh, like you're in a tin
1: can? Oh, that's the wrong microphone. Hang on. How's that sound? Ooh. Does that sound better? Yeah. I I, I, I I'm still not. We're, we're, here's Adventures in uh, Headphones and Microphones with Ben and Don. <laughs> uh, welcome to a new podcast called um, Don't F It Up. Thanks to. <laughs> Um, <laughs> ooh, that's kind of sharp. That was a sharp, that was a sharp one. What do you, what, what do you got for your, you, you sound, you sound good. So I've, I got a thing that I think is working. It is not the perfect setup. I think I probably sound good. I don't hear my own voice in my, in my monitor as they, as they say, but I got the, I'm using the AirPod Max and I've got the transparency mode on. So that seems to be working.
0: Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. So you and you're using the new microphone. I'm still using the old microphone. Oh. Oh, so <laughs> the only phone. thing you've changed is your headphones.
1: I only, the only thing I changed my headphones because I realized as I was walking my dog, um, which I texted you about and said I'm gonna go take a quick walk. I realized that I had put off taking the new microphone out of the box and setting up that I was going to do that I that I replaced that with the dog walk. So <laughs> so <I got>, anyway. <laughs> yeah, because I didn't I, I didn't I had I planned I, I did a thing. Where um, I put it on my on my OmniFocus list to do, and then I it was out of my head, right? Like I, I wasn't oh, yeah i, was, I need to do that, um, but I, I didn't um, as as they say I didn't close the loop, or maybe more um, explicitly I didn't actually do it, uh, so I did not um, yeah. But anyway, I was able True. to mess around with the headphones, and those seem to work a little bit, um, but it was it, not not exactly what a it's it's fine. They're good. They're good. I'm 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 learning. To quote
0: Jerry Seinfeld, "You're good at taking the reservation. You're yeah. just not good at keeping the reservation."
1: Uh, yes, yes. I mean, I think that would be uh, exactly what's happening here. Um, <laughs> oh, so so speaking, can we just do a little bit of omnifocus uh, follow-up? Sure. And you're you're a little
0: you're a little echoey, but uh-huh, I don't well, know. If that's- uh, yeah, I think that's just my office. Oh, I did. You know, I'm probably more echoey than normal because um, I did uh clean up some stuff in my office rendering it more empty and more echoey so
1: well that's hey it, is, not, it is this is what we got i'm not this sure i think dog. we're i think
0: we're effing it up
1: ben uh, pro Proview Gym is not going to be happy with us <laughs> um so anyway sorry to, to jump in. you were going to tell me something something about dog walking I'll tell you something
0: about something i like
1: <laughs> yeah tell me about uh, do you have a is there a leash that you like from uh, that, that we someone could get from your Amazon store uh, no well, no yeah, but I, but I would I would something.
0: recommend I would recommend the productivity software omnifocus um, oh omnifocus yes. So I I have been re-engaging with omnifocus I'm I'm as we've discussed on this I think on this podcast I'm paying a man to help me um, yes. re-engage with my omnifocus I'm I'm reading uh, his book, uh, I am trying to get better with OmniFocus. Um, and the way to get better with OmniFocus is you have to look at OmniFocus. And so I'm I'm not there yet, but I'm, and I was doing like great. And then I made the system and then I kind of fell off the system and I just ended up working from my inbox, which is kind of my default, which is not a good place to be. Uh, but I'm, uh, yeah, I'm getting, I'm getting back on the bike as they say. And uh, yeah, we'll see, we'll see how it goes.
1: So, um, are you, are you still, I can't remember um, the man from the internet's name who was helping you with your OmniFocus. Karush Dini. Um, um, are, are you still, are you still talking to, to the internet man? I am. I am. We have, uh, we have a
0: standing appointment or we have well, that, a, a recurring appointment. Well, it's not, it's not yeah. it only it, we, at the end of the appointment, we make a new appointment.
1: Well, okay. Yeah. I think that's a, a reoccurring re yeah, that's right. Um, good. So, and that's, I, I still haven't. Uh, I, I just. I, uh, I, I've been. I, I feel like I'm pretty pretty good in my OmniFocus focused world, um, but I, I, I'm I am trying to put yeah, one of the things that I think we suffer from in academia, Don, mm. <laughs> is a lack of. And I say we. One of the things I suffer with, and it's mm. probably has very little to do with me being an academic, is that I I don't have a whole lot of real strict deadlines. Right. Like if I do it, I do it. There's no one there who is like you know, in the, in the C-suite who says, uh, Chapman, uh, get me the, get, get the Henderson file on my desk by Monday, Grace. by Monday at 9 Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no one says that to me. No one, no one. And, and so, so I, um, you know, I got, I got my own, I got my own system and sometimes it works out, but I, I suffer from not having hard deadlines or putting, artificial hard deadlines together to motivate myself but but then also because i'm the one who and and this is kind of the here's the rub um i'm the one who's putting the artificial deadline on it i know that i'm the art i'm i'm the artificial man and it's oh, right. artificial it's not it's not yeah, real it's not real so, so, and so I, therefore you ignore it i could cheat i could cheat myself right yeah that part's easy. Um, yeah. Well, it's, so, kind, it's uh, kind of like
0: putting an appointment on your calendar that says I'm going to write a, on a I'm going to write a manuscript um, between ten and eleven o'clock today, and then it doesn't take many times of putting that on your calendar and then not doing it for that appointment to become meaningless, right? But on the other hand, you have an appointment to ho- record a podcast with me. You would never think of not showing up for that. You if you if you couldn't make it, you would reschedule it, but you would never just not show up, right?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Like, like I'm I'm not. Uh... Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's a That's a good analogy here, right? Like, I'm not you, you hold you and I this appointment holds me accountable because you're you, you You know, you are also holding this time and we both have other things that are that are competing with this So I wouldn't I wouldn't be like just not do it because then I'm wasting your time as well and we like doing this, right? Like this is so. Yeah, yeah. I think. Well, but I, you, but you like doing yeah. the other things
0: that you I do that you said you were gonna do, but you didn't do, right? You like True. those things too.
1: I do like those things too. Yeah, yeah. That's a good. But there's no no one there. I'm not letting anyone down other than me. And I'm full. I'm I'm disappointed myself so many times that it just doesn't doesn't matter anymore. Uh, <laughs> no, you do know, But but it's still it's artificial. I can I can I I can't trick myself very very easily. Very well, right? Like oh, I can yeah. always, yeah, d- push it, push it to later. Um, I was going. Oh, so I got. I have. I have two. I, I wrote things down. because mm-hmm. That's what. It, that's, that's. I'm in the habit of that now. Uh, that's no, I, that's the first
0: to. essential principle of GTD.
1: It's called capture. Yes, I I put things down and things things, um, that I'm going to. The here are the things, and we're gonna we're gonna get to both of these here. Um, one is camping and i forgot the thermometer oh we're gonna gonna talk about that and then a quote and this is in quotations oh like cooperative extension question mark (laughs) so so which which i feel like we're I feel like this is a jeopardy or there's some I'm just giving you the two categories of things that we'd like to talk about and you as the contestant in today's game of food safety talk gets to choose which of these two we will we will talk about first camping and I forgot the thermometer for 200 or oh like cooperative extension question mark where where do you want to go where do you want to go dog oh um all right. Well, so, so
0: as a way to segue from our current topic mm. uh, to cooperative extension, I will say that part of what is – this is not the sole reason for this, but, but part of the reason why I want to be more accountable in terms of my own productivity is I have agreed – to give a presentation to some new Cooperative Extension employees on managing time and attention, i.e., productivity, um, oh. and I figure uh, I really need to at least know how to walk the walk at least temporarily. <laughs> so, yeah. But anyway, why don't you tell me about Cooperative Extension, Ben, for people that don't so, know?
1: Yeah. So, so here's here's the thing. I. Um, I was. Uh, it is also related to, to to camping, but but I'll I'll get back to that um, in a, in a minute. I was talking with um, uh, a, a guy who runs a uh, a brewery, and um, we were we, we were seated beside each other uh, for a meal. He his he's got a he's got a kid who plays hockey. I've got a kid who plays ho- play ho- who plays hockey or a couple of kids. We we have a common friend, but we didn't really know each other. Um, and then we were, we were sitting beside each other and talking about stuff and I knew he he uh, you know runs his, owns this brewery and runs a brewery and so he, he asked me about you know what do I do and I was talking to him about like food safety things and that I um, you know we, I, I do a lot of work at, at NC State related to like environmental health uh, specialists and training them you know just trying to connect with his world right like he's in his in his brewery he also has a kitchen so so he has a sense of, of food and he was telling me about his son, um, who who worked for uh, a, a, a somewhat famous uh, uh, chef here in um, in in Raleigh, uh, and now his son uh, moved to upstate New York uh, somewhere and uh, it bought bought a farm and some some cows and starting to make cheese, mm. and so yeah, so we we had this like co- you know conversation back and forth, and usually you know, we we've talked a little bit about this in the past, like people ask about what is it that you do. And and I I'm now gotten to a point where I'm like, well, what I what I do for half the time is like help people who are in the world of food figure out food safety problems. And sometimes that's a restaurant, sometimes it's a farmers market, sometimes it's someone who's trying to communicate things to uh, to consumers, and and it's like solution stuff. And so I went through like what I thought was a pretty succinct um, description, and then he goes, oh, like you're in cooperative extension. And and I what I, I really could have just led with oh I do extension things but often people don't know what that means so I, I kind of backdoored into this and I thought it was really like really I don't know funny because I I don't know like often the I, I know we've talked about this on on the podcast in the past what what people sort of view a a university professor right like the i think we might have talked about this in the last episode or mm-hmm. a couple of episodes ago where it's like oh the school year is over so now you're you're done teaching graduations happen so what you, are you like off for the summer right so i, I try not to engage in that conversation i try to, to head that off up front by saying what i do is year round but really all i needed to tell him was oh i work in cooperative extension and he would have got it right away oh and and the yeah and and the reason is because he's interacted with Cooperative Extension in another area. Um, so he, he already knew about all, like, not, not the food safety stuff, but he knew about the world of Extension. Um, and so I thought, it, I don't know, I thought it was like, I thought it was weird where I, I tried to tried to backdoor without telling him exactly what I did because people usually don't understand it. And then he was like, "Well, why don't you just tell me you, you work in Extension because I know what that is. Huh. So, yeah. So that was that, that was my my like, oh so you work in cooperative extension. Like he, he came up with the punchline right away. <laughs> That's funny because most people don't know what
0: cooperative extension is. So it's always it's always right. nice when somebody knows.
1: Mm. So so here's the other thing that I was gonna tell you about of things that I experienced um, recently. So I I, I um, just the just got home from really I would say my first true camping trip. Um,
0: ever wow
1: yeah so um and this is you know this will seem so so rudimentary to you um and our and and many of our listeners who you know i i I don't want to come back kind of like i'm the first person to have ever camped so i'm not going to give you (laughs) like i i I have a sense of my perspective on this a little bit um but it was i I, uh you know I i took my two kids went on this on this trip camped on the outer banks um, in, a, in a in a very sandy and windy place, basically the beach of of North Carolina, it was uh, it was great. Um, but you know, my my food safety world uh, came into play because as we were as we were cooking um, some food, we we uh, I, we became we came pretty prepared with um, a lot of ready to eat foods that would take heating up. Like we were ready with a lot of hot dogs. But there were a couple of uh, other campers out there who who brought some raw things like uh, marinated tri-tip uh, steak steak tips and some uh, you know some chicken that was that needed to be cooked from raw they, that had been held at I you know I was I was pretty confident on the temperatures when I looked at it it was all it was all really really cold um, but uh, but then all of a sudden we we're, uh, we're standing around this uh, charcoal grill that's provided by the National Seashore and uh people people are cooking stuff and uh someone looks at me and goes uh, hey do you have your thermometer and i was like uh no i didn't i didn't get one uh i didn't bring one I, cuz I, I didn't think uh i didn't think that i was going to need it for the i wasn't prepared enough cuz i brought hot dogs so we proceeded to, I, I would say, and hopefully this, uh, yeah, I don't think a lot of people that I went camping with listen to this podcast. Um, I, I think we really, really overcooked the food because I was uh, not, I, I didn't bring the tool that I needed uh, well, to know whether whether it was safe. But it was tri-tip. Yeah, but it's like raw, raw tri-tip. Well, but the, only on the outside. <laughs> no, no, no. Was it blade like, tender? Yeah, yeah. yeah oh i see what you're saying yeah like it was like Like, yeah like 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 this if this is a this is a steak
0: essentially like i i don't i don't cook my steak i cook my burgers to 165. i don't cook my steak to 165.
1: true but i cook my i try to cook my chicken to 165. oh yeah chicken chicken. too yeah 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 it's like chicken marinated raw chicken breast
0: oh okay yep
1: yeah but i and were you
0: you were so far from civilization you couldn't like uh pop pop down to the corner store for a thermometer
1: Well, I, so great, great question. Um, I, I, we, we were not very far from civilization. Uh, we, we were three, about three miles from the town of Ocracoke, which is a very, like was, was lovely. It was great. It was a great place. Um, there is a, uh, a a grocery store there, not a food line, not a, like not a Harris Teeter, but a, a place, I think it was called like village grocery or convenience store Ocracoke convenience. Um, they had some groceries, but uh, when I was looking, I did not see uh, a, a meat thermometer. Mm. and And I wasn't looking. I kind of like perused the grilling area to see, oh, was there anything that I had missed that you know, forgotten that i I didn't you know that I needed? and and this whole conversation came up like in the midst of cooking. So certainly, we could have, you know, hopped in the car and gone to the to the store to look for a thermometer, but I didn't. I didn't do that. Um, but I also didn't see it in my first like sort of look through of, of what was there the previous day. So we 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 winged it. Wanged Wong, it. I don't know what the winged it. I think we winged it. We winged <laughs> it. We totally wanged it. We wanged Chung that that night, um, and uh, yeah. So so, but I I mean I I was caught in a situation where I, I, like, I really do like to be food safety prepared and I didn't have this tool cause I just didn't, I wasn't planning on bringing food that I was going to need it for. Oh, but other people um, did, but other people did Got it. and they didn't bring it and they, they, they were it Because they thought you
0: would be the expert and you would take care of that for them, I guess.
1: Right. Or they didn't yes. know that it
0: needed to be taken care of.
1: Well, I think they, they did, but then they also thought, well, Ben's here. So maybe he can tell me is that like if I touch my thumb when I hold my my hand mm-hmm. this way is that the right is the chicken done right, right. it feels like it feels like that's like the you know, my index finger or whatever right <laughs> so so it, yeah it um so that's where we we but but I I felt like kind of I don't know. Not, not like a failure. Like I – usually I like to be – I would like to be there and be like, you know what? I got a thermometer. Let me go to my car and get it. But I didn't have one and I felt felt like I was I, – I don't know. I, 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 let the, I let the team down a little bit um, even though they didn't know that they were counting on me.
0: Well, so here's one of the so I have done I have not done much camping lately. I have done a lot of camping back in the day when my sons were active in the scouts and not not just camping but also backpacking, which is a especially fun kind of backpacking and I and then my my younger son um, also still uh, bike packs and, and backpacks and is quite into camping. And I think there is an aspect of camping that appeals to both of us knowing about my personality and, and his personality and we are the same in this in that we are preparers, him even more so than me. But one of the really satisfying things about continuing to go camping and continuing to go backpacking is you get better at it. Like you say, Oh, you know, that was a really a drag when thing X happened. So I'm going to now put something into my routine, into my, my plans that will avoid that. Right. It's like, well, the coffee really sucks. So I am going to get a little coffee grinder and I'm going to get a little way to make coffee so I can have good coffee when I'm, when I'm camping. Right. Something like that. And so, um, or you know, I really, I really hate it when um, I'm uncomfortable. Uh, so you know, I'm going to bring an extra pair of socks because uh, my feet get cold. You know, or or what, whatever it is. I really, or I hate, I hate carrying this heavy gear. So I'm going to invest in some some lightweight gear that is, you know, that's 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 not as heavy to to lug around. And so you get, if, if you keep doing it, and I, why wouldn't you, right? You get, you do get better at it. And I would say, you know, you've learned a very important lesson is that you need now a camping thermometer. And that thermometer, I would suggest would go, it's not like you have to remember to take your kitchen thermometer camping. No, you have to have a dedicated camping thermometer that you will keep with your dedicated camping equipment
1: so that it's always there ready to go when you go camping. I mean, that would be my advice. Uh, yeah, no, that, and that's that's huge advice because I, I hadn't I, I'm, I'm new to this. Like, you know, like, like I I started off, this is legitimately the first time that I've done this. I mean, I went to, we, I camped in, in high school a couple of times. Um, and and we would really, it was just a way for us to, um, go to some local park and, you know, drink. (laughs) I was just going to say, yeah. Like, and that, and, and not, and like not go home. And, and I'll, 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 I'll point out, I grew up in a, um, in a in a province where the drinking age was was um, of high school age like i was i was a lot, i was able to drink in 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 high school i was old enough uh, to do so because it was 19 and we had five five years of high school so uh, so i i had that that last year it wasn't like i was going to a to a park and doing this illegally Um, but, but that, that was part, that was it. Like we would just go for a night and some, I, I didn't plan anything. We're a bunch of teenagers. Someone had a tent, so you'd sleep in a tent, but it wasn't like we weren't on a camping trip. This is the first time that I've taken, you know, I've been responsible for children. First of all, um, not ever, but camping. Uh, but then, but it also was like, Hey, we're going somewhere where you have to take a ferry to get there. So if we leave something, you know, I can't just go get, a new tent like certainly i could have i can get like you know ice um fairly close by but but we had we had to do some level of of planning and i did i learned a lot about stuff that i would do differently thermometer is one of them i think i would actually um i would probably bring more raw foods to 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 cook Mm -hmm. um and not like i mean we we're we're a family i i as long as I'm, I pick one of the seven or eight foods that both of my kids eat, you know, a lot, and hot dogs are one of those. Mm-hmm. We, I've, I've I've met what their goals are, right? Right. But I might want to hang out and cook something a little different, like some tri-tip. Yeah. Um, yep. And and so so I thought, yeah, I, I'll do more of that next time. Um, I also like I was bo- I borrowed camping gear, which is great, but I also was a little bit like, I don't know, you when it's your own stuff, if something breaks. It's yours, right? Like I was really worried about, um, oh, we're, you know, we're, we're going to put a hole in the side of this guy's, you know, this guy, my friend's tent um, who we're borrowing. Uh, right. and, and so, so I, I, I don't know. I kind of learned a little bit about what I want to do for next time. Yeah. And I, I got a little bit of a camping bug. Like I, I, this, this was a, it's an annual trip that, that one of my, one of my friends puts on. Um, He's been doing it for 25 years and he's had like families cycling and out. Um, and this, you know, I, I certainly am ready. Right, I'm I'm there to sign up again for next year. But I'd like to go back and do this again, maybe two or three times this summer uh-huh. uh, and just and just go get. You know, I, it was great. And again, that's that's the part that I, I'm cognizant of, Don. I'm not the only person who's ever camped. So I'm not and it's not like uh, someone who's just uh, discovered CrossFit. Uh, who will tell you that there's a thing called CrossFit uh, But um, But yeah it was it was a cool It was a great relaxing experience In a different way than Going to a cabin or staying in a hotel Like it was the I, What I what I really enjoyed and no one really told me about this Before I went camping And you probably again for those who can't probably know this um, When it gets dark It's kind of the end of your day Right like, <laughs> Yes, yes. So, so let me tell you a nine thirty bedtime, mm-hmm. I have no problem with that. It's yeah. great, fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and then the other thing that also is comes on the flip side of that, um, which I, it may be really obvious what I'm going to say next. Um, <laughs> yep. The sun comes up really early, dawn. So, you know, maybe uh, a five thirty wake up time. Uh, it goes very well with a nine thirty bedtime. Exactly. Uh, yeah. But it was very like there. I don't know. It was some, there was something that was really really nice about that. So I I enjoyed it. But I I will. I will not forget – and and in fact, I, I like the way that you suggest this. I will not forget as I'm building my camping materials to add a thermometer into that so I'm not th- remembering to take it out of my kitchen to go next time. Yeah, I mean you could, but
0: I mean especially the your favorite thermometer um, as opposed to my favorite thermometer. Your favorite thermometer is quite affordable and you could certainly keep an extra one in your camping gear. Yeah,
1: here. yeah abso- absolutely. Yeah. Um, the last thing about camping that I want to before before I leave, uh, leave this this topic or at least open it up to you um, to talk about uh, your camping experiences. Um, is that one of the one of the guys who, who I met on this trip, um, a friend, friend of our friend, every morning ate a hard bo- boiled egg. Mm. And Don, how did he where did this hard boiled egg come from? Well, We made them before boiled them, left them in the shell it's an old camper's trick but it's in the food code on mm-hmm. you know air cooled shell eggs that are hard boiled don't need temperature control and he's like yeah i'm i this is what i do this is what i'm going to eat for the 4 days that, that we're here i've got these i've got these hard boiled eggs so there was even that like a little um just a you know a little just a little bit of food safety in that was happening um at, sort of throughout this this trip yeah. which was which was cool That's so it's nice. the first time i'd seen that in in action. Yeah, cool. Um, very cool. So, yeah, yeah. So that was, so that was, that was good. Um, but I'm, I, I'm on a, um, I, i am on I what I'm gonna term, I'm on a camper's high right now. Don. <laughs> That's nice. It is. It was nice. It was, it was a very, it was a, it was a good, it was a good fun experience.
0: Cool. I'm. I'm so. I'm so. I'm so glad. And yeah, it, it was really. I mean, I look back you know, fondly upon my camping days. I mean, and it's like, I. I'm really not. I'm really not interested in going backpacking. I'm really not interested in, in going camping and sleeping on the ground. But you know what? I really do like is sitting on my deck out, out in the backyard, yeah. enjoying, enjoying nature, and um, you know, glad that I can sleep on a an actual real bed tonight. But it. But it was. It, it was. I mean, it was definitely. It was something that. I did uh you know all my time with uh I was not I did, was I did I did I actually just recently found or my wife found my old uh Cub Scout my bo- old Boy Scout uniform. Boy was I a uh, tiny as a as a, a a teenager, a young teenager. Um and with my uh with my my badge, my uh, second class uh that merit badge which is not merit badge, second class. Uh, badge, which is as far as I got in the, in the scouts um and I remember not liking camping very much as a as a kid but but definitely did enjoy coming back to it as an adult and, and again and especially backpacking and and going we've talked before I think about going to philmont um uh scout ranch was that now help me out here was that did we do that? do you remember Is that something that I did while we when we started this podcast? no, the podcast hasn't been going
1: that I, long right I, no i think I think it might have been Jesus. or because i think that we have been doing this podcast i just looked this up. i i think one of the earlier that that first year that we did this podcast mm-hmm. um you you were preparing for that wow. trip like you wow. were you were training for the walk
0: wow gee um, okay all right that makes yeah. sense
1: wow we were um i'm, I'm gonna go back because I, I just recently looked at this um f- no I'm, I'm now on a different podcast uh, food safety talk. That's this one. Um, we. Oh, let's see if I can find this. You can. Um, I think we've been doing this for for eight years or something now. Mm-hmm. That that sounds reasonable, right? It does. Um, we we started this in 2012. So so okay, that's that would- that's nine years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's consistent
0: with, uh, with when I went to Philmont. Wow.
1: Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, a, a couple of other things that I wanted to um, to ask you about. Yeah. Or talk talk to you about. Um, okay, so switch, switching gears to to COVID and fares. Hmm. <laughs> um, so you know you know we we we've also talked about this, and we'll we'll find the um, the show to to link to. But I, I run, or I have uh, run in the past. I've been the superintendent for the um, uh, home food preservation competition at the North Carolina State Fair. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, uh, I inherited the baking competition um, because I was, I guess, because I would just had did a, such a bang-up job in in preservation that they said, "Let's <laughs> you you go ahead and do the baking too." Uh, so I so I I. And there's like, there's a lot of history. My, my department, uh, historic department, family consumer sciences that merged with 4-H and youth development, that then also that combined department merged with agricultural and extension education, which now my department is called agricultural and human sciences. Um, my like one corner of my department, family consumer sciences has been involved in running the home food preservation competition for like, as far back as anybody can remember, but it may go back a hundred years um, because it goes by, like that's when cooperative extension got into canning Clubs back in uh, right right during World War One um, here in, in North Carolina. Anyway, I got a bunch of questions about how how and what should we be doing from a COVID standpoint this year at fairs mm. from from a pre, like from uh, a, a judging. Because I, I'm going to give you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tip you off here, Don. Fairs are going to happen. Mm-hmm. Fairs, you know, uh, and, uh, and so so th- that that's kind of becomes a like, well, we probably shouldn't have a whole bunch of people in one spot, um, still, because we're in the middle of a pandemic and mm-hmm. there's not not a lot of people who have been vaccinated. That conversation is, I think, fairly over at this point, mm-hmm. at least when it comes to fairs. So fairs, fairs are going to happen, and and are. Folks, the the people that I support in Cooperative Extension, so you, so you work in Cooperative Extension, um, they often are tasked with running some of these competitions. So I've had, I mean, I wouldn't say a handful, I'd say maybe about 15 or 20 questions in the last couple of weeks as we gear up for fair season on what should we be doing and what types of things should we be worried about when it comes to are judging um, procedures, and so I want to I want to throw that out to, to you. What what types of things do you think about um, when I say, "Hey, we're going to get a bunch of people together to judge, you know, baked goods or or canned foods here"? And 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 let's say as early as July. My my competition's in October, but there are some county fairs that are going to happen this summer. So, what do you what are your thoughts? COVID specific well i mean yeah let's talk about covid specific stuff first
0: okay so well hopefully people are continuing to get vaccinated right so um hopefully but we don't know that for sure um uh, certainly i think there is in the last couple of weeks there has been a profoundly different sense it just in terms of how things feel to me, um, with respect to the uh, pandemic, right? And so that is, for better or worse, that's, you know, that is what it is, right? Um, and I think that's for right. the better. Um, you know, uh, restaurants are opening up, governors are relaxing things. You know, our go- our governor here in New Jersey uh, relaxed things in the before the Memorial Day weekend, which he was predicted to do it after, and he did it instead, he did it first before. Um, so I I think the risks coming into fair season are relatively small in terms, of, in terms of COVID-19. Now, obviously, you know, anytime you have people who are in close proximity to each other indoors without wearing masks, there is some risk. But, and, and you know, I would, re- I would, I mean, there's a lot of controversy over vaccine passports and things like that. But I honestly, I, I don't have a problem with people saying, you have to be vaccinated to do this, and you need to prove it. Um, but i but i'm i'm not I'm not sure I'm in the majority in holding that opinion. Um certainly, I think what you could require for your judges, since they quote unquote, work for you, is you could require them to be vaccinated or require them to state that they have been vaccinated. I think that's not an unreasonable precaution. but if these if these tasting events are occurring outdoors, I mean, you know, it, Having them be outdoors, having people—well,
1: but they're not tasting, right? The, well, they are. Okay, I mean, that—that's really that—that's kind of what makes us a little bit unique, I think. Um, there's, uh, you know, uh, but part of the reason why, and, uh, and you know, to to I guess rehash the food safety aspect of this a little bit. Part of the reason why we started, you know, looking at specific foods and and t- t- testing pH and um, really like honing in on specific um recipes and processes mm-hmm. was because they were being tasted and we're we're I, I would say somewhat unique um you know it's it, as far as I understand we are the only state fair that does that there are probably a lot of county fairs that do that across the US but um that that was kind of the info that was provided to me by our fair people um but and it was something that um was not kind of negotiable or I don't know know. the the basically the 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 idea was we need to continue to to taste foods so what do we do to make it safe right like which was fine I was happy to go down that that path but yeah I mean people are tasting like that's and and doing so and maybe I need to set this up a little bit I think you have a good sense of it but for our listeners um, we will have um, a series of judges sit Fairly close to each other, and they work in pairs. And they will taste a food, um, whether it's a jam or jelly or a cake or or whatever. And then they'll sort of go through the sensory attributes. These are m- most of the m- most most, if not all, are folks that are in the culinary world, the nutrition world, or have done sensory work. So so they they are from a technical standpoint, they're they're approaching it on. Here's what the definitions are that we're looking for here's what the taste is, you know, profiles that we're looking for. So let's, let's, we actually need to taste it. And it only makes up like maybe, um, depending on the category somewhere in between like 10 and 20% of the total overall assessment. Um, but yeah, tasting, tasting's happening and it's happening in pairs fairly close to each other. And I'll say you, you, you hit on something that I want to, um, uh, like talk about a little bit, but we do it. We historically, um, have always done it indoors. And I would say in a, in a, uh, like an old, like hundred year old building that has terrible air handling mm. and, and is, is, you know, it is cramped for space. Like, like we'll, we'll have it, you know, if back, back a year and a half ago, I would have defined it as a pretty good super spreader event location.
0: So can you, can you mandate
1: that these people be vaccinated? I, I don't know. The, but that's where that, that's what I'm trying to, I'm like, that's where, what I'm going to explore. Yeah. Uh um, And then, yeah, you're you're nailing the like the two things that I'm that I'm thinking about here already is uh, can can I I, and I I think you phrase it really well, like you are vaccinated or state that you're vaccinated. Right. And and again, requiring some level of proof on that, I I don't think I don't know. I don't know what to do. But I mean, you
0: just I think you just have them sign a statement saying that I've been vaccinated. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's I mean. Yep. I, I getting into auditing okay well all right they've got a vaccine card and me you know there's a black market for vaccine cards that are fake and all that and so you know it's like that's just do your due diligence you, yep. if you want to lie to me and that gives you covid you know I, honestly you don't get a lot of sympathy from me but but the other thing is did you I, I know we've talked about this before on the podcast remind me are there
1: certain foods that you don't
0: have them taste i thought yes. there was okay
1: there are there okay. are okay we what what we typically do is is taste what what we have deemed I guess historically and and with some scientific justification as low risk foods for botulism. so we'll we'll taste jams and jellies. We'll taste a, acidified foods. we We do not open or taste anything that's low acid. okay um right. and the, yeah, and then the the like mixed foods, we've really tried to outlaw most of them. So we've eliminated a bunch of categories because it was hard, like like um, uh, trying to think of a, a good example here. Um, uh, well, I, I guess this is one we weren't tasting, but we got rid of sweet potato butter because there just isn't, or pumpkin pumpkin spreads because there just aren't tested recipes for them. But historically, mm. they were allowed. Uh, oh, and the, and do you also require that people use a tested recipe? We do. We okay. do. Yes. And again, similar to the to the vaccine discussion, we don't have an audit process, right? right? Like, and and it set off like a whole bunch of chaos when we started asking for this right um a, a while ago but yeah yeah no it's good this, this is yeah these are these are all really really pertinent questions so I, I would say on an average year we're somewhere in between 900 and 1300 food uh, uh, a, a, a entries trees uh, in about um 70 or 80 major categories and um, and, and so we may um often uh food I I I should track this. Um we don't I I don't have a good data set to tell or I I don't yeah, I don't have good data to tell you here are the number of things that we tasted on an average year, but my guess would be probably four to five hundred. Yeah, you know, we're not tasting everything because certain things are getting eliminated because they just aren't up to the standards from the from the um like look and a technical aspect they're making a, a a jelly but they submitted something that looks more like a jam and so so we wouldn't taste that because they're not going to win anyway what's um, what is
0: the difference between a jelly and a jam
1: well a, don this is a great a great <laughs> question there are um and, and in fact um you know shout out to uh our friend uh, elizabeth andrus from the national center for home food preservation there are some really good definitions that we use from the national center that are in so easy to preserve. But a jelly is, it's a, it's a, um, it's a gel of a clear liquid, fruit liquid. Uh-huh. So, so I'm, I'm there, there should be no, uh, it should be clear. Um, you don't, you don't cloudy, the, any turbidity in there sort of shows that, that the, the preserver didn't get it, um, refine it enough, didn't strain out any of the, um, you know, any of the junk that's in there. Um, and so, but yeah, it's a, a jelly is a, is a clear, you know, uh, fruit based, uh, spread. And then a jam is kind of the same, but, but it's more of i uh, I've minced up all of the, um, the stuff that's in there. And then we get into conserves and mm-hmm. preserves, which preserves are more, you know, we're, we're looking at much larger chunks of, of food. It's not all blended together. So, and, and then you got marmalades too. <laughs> and then we got the marmalades with the peels and the conserves might have nuts in them. Um, Yeah. And raisins. So it's, there's a whole, yeah, there's a whole mess of of things that we, that we look at here. Um, But anyway, anyway, so, so we, yeah, my guess would be um, over a uh, five or six hour period will uh, a group of uh, 30, 20 to 30 judges will test, will taste, um, you know, four to 500 different things uh, looking for that blue ribbon winner and and so done and again i'm looking at it from the frame of reference of what i have to work with in a really old building with with, with i'm sure not great air handling abilities um and and so i you know to the two things that you you hit on right away are the things that i'm focused on what do we know about vaccinations and can i actually require it and 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 if i can't then how do i how do i really um push that this is a a, a, uh an expectation you know uh of of this of this group and then secondly what can i do outdoors well and
0: and i i would say in fact you might be able to do something like prove to us you're vaccinated or you must do your judging six feet apart um from other judges right and that and that's and then that's just how it's going to be right like i think yep, yep. you maybe you can't mandate that they be vaccinated but if they're not vaccinated then you can certainly mandate their behavior i think i mean yeah. it, i mean i don't know i mean i don't know what the actual what actual power you have but that's that's how i would handle it right cuz if everybody's vaccinated then we're good to go right exactly according to exactly. cdc but but yeah. but if you're not vaccinated then here's here's i'm going to if you're not vaccinated i'm going to make your life difficult
1: because because that's what i have to do to keep you safe Right. And and so th- this one's really like for me, I'm I'm looking at my situation as a model, right? Like because I, I think I do have quite a bit of control mm-hmm. What I'm really the where where things get, I think, a little dicier in this conversation is I, I'm, you know, as, as you as you do, um, we support um, extension educators, uh, you know, throughout throughout our respective states because um, we're, we're in cooperative extension and uh, and they they may not have the same first of all the same power secondly might not be looked at with the same like for better or for worse with the same level of expertise right like like that that you know the, you know you're a family consumer science agent and you're trying to tell me that people need to be vaccinated that they're going to be participating in your um in your competition it's a really hard conversation i feel like i'm i'm in a much better place of Uh, Influence maybe is powers. Maybe not the best best word But I'm in a place of influence where I can say this is the best practice and this is what we should be doing and I can say this is the model of how the state is doing it, but how um, Someone in a in rural North Carolina and I know pick I think we talked about this on the You know previous podcast or a couple of episodes ago pick a small rural county where um, We've got still like less than 20% of people in that county with their first vaccine shot um, I, you know, uh, going in and saying, "Okay, if you're going to be part of this, you've got to mandate it." I think that it, it's it's a much more difficult conversation, but it's the right like it's the right thing to do. It's the right way to approach this.
0: Yeah, yeah, for
1: sure. <sighs> yeah. Okay. So so okay. Let Let me just go go back because I'll, I'll I'll go down my my list. You talked about vaccines. You talked about what can we do outdoors. Um, if if they're not vaccinated, we've got six feet apart. Um. I'm also I and and this is the um, you know uh, m- a mask aspect of, of things for me I'm also I want because I can't see the benefit of this if they're not actively tasting I want everybody wearing face coverings inside
0: yeah absolutely
1: right like like so we've got we've got vaccine we've we've got a, a double a double dose here well that's not maybe not the right analogy but we've got a, a double barrier because just because they're sitting and they're very comfortable next to each other, they're going to be there for five hours. Um, I, I I don't want – the benefit of not wearing the mask other than during tasting, right? So so they're going to evaluate all these other ones. They don't need to taste them. I, I don't see why – like they should be wearing – I want them to be wearing face coverings the whole time until they like, oh, let me grab a little spoonful of this and taste it. So yeah, so Yeah.
0: Um, so how much how much do you work with these people, the, your uh, judges? What do you what do you mean? What do you, like, what do you, do, how much? Like so who
1: who trains them? What's the, uh, yeah yeah? Well, okay, tell me a little bit about that. So my people at the state, they're mine. These right. are all people that I have cultivated. Either either I I, I inherited a, a handful um, from the previous specialist who was who was around for for thirty years doing this um, here here at NC State. Um, I, I, inherited, I inherited some of them and, um, but, but they had all been in the world of, uh, of foods or nutrition. Um, and then I, I added, um, you know, some, some individuals as well. So, so I, I have a lot of control. So I, I train them. We, we in fact, um, if there's someone new, we send them a package a few weeks beforehand of here are all the definitions. These are the things to expect on, on, tra- on, on, uh, you know, the day of, and then the day of. We get there um, y- usually, uh, you know, maybe half an hour, 45 minutes before we start um, the judging. And and I go through again. I, I, I sort of hit the, the highlights of, okay, we only do this once a year. I know many of you have got experience in it, but here are the things that, that I want you to think about. So I have I have a lot of control over over who they are and that training process. Um,
0: but but, but the, you're also nominally advising st- county fairs around the yeah. state where you're much more maybe you have met the extension people in that county and maybe they've been trained but you have not no real contact with their volunteers
1: 100% yeah. and they may not have any choice right. right like like they're they're in charge of of running this competition but they may, you know, in in some cases might be given a list every year. Here are your twenty judges that we have from the, you know, four of them are from the fair board, and someone, you know, this is the, um, you know, this is the sheriff here, uh, and he's he's gonna be part of this, uh, and you know, whatever, right? Well,
0: like the, and, yeah. and I think what I would do in in your situation is I would publish the North Carolina State University official COVID summer twenty twenty one. County fair tasting guidelines, right? Yep. And then here, here it is. Here, here is our recommendations. They're only guidelines. You do what you want, but here are the best practices that we think you need to follow. And then you know, you sort of walk away from it, right? I mean, I, that's yep, yep. what I would do because it's and, otherwise and, you're just crazy making, right?
1: Right, right, right. And and I and I, I like I like that idea, and also I think I can I can provide some level of training to the agents who are involved in, in this, right. To say here, so here's the document. Here's how I think you should use it. Here are some things that they, I know are going to be, um, you know, pr- barriers or, or roadblocks here that that are going to come up. Mm-hmm. And, but, but here, yeah, this is, this is what, what I mean. I like, I like that. I like that idea. Um, so the reason why I'm asking about this is because a very similar, conversation is arising. And in fact, I'll, I'll read to you from an email that I got this morning that I haven't answered yet. And mainly because I wanted to, I, I wanted to talk through this with you. Um, so I'll, I will protect the individual here. Um, we, and, and, uh, th- this is not someone who, uh, um, who, who knows that I'm even going to, uh, you know, ask this or talk about this on, on this podcast. So we'll, we'll just call this, uh, um, deep, uh, food demonstration deep food demonstration rights as covid precautions are loosening up snap ed and fnep staff are starting to do in-person programming and partners are asking that food demonstrations and tastings be started again as well and so for those of you who are you know i know know you know what this is but um, snap ed is the Mm -hmm. supplemental nutrition assistance program education piece so this is what you know historically was called food food stamps is now the SNAP program. There's a it, uh, as someone who receives that there there is a a free education program that sometimes is run through, oftentimes is run through corporate Extension, but sometimes is also offshoots through um, local and state health departments and others. And then FNEP is the Expanded Food Nutrition Education Program, which is also funded by USDA. Um, but it's, it's a little bit of a different mandate um, and a different pot of money um, that that funds funds that. Um, and so, so anyway, we've, I've got you know, deep, deep uh, food demonstrations, and, and this is the part that I think is really interesting. Partners are asking that food demonstrations and tastings be started again as well. I am seeking guidance on how to offer the tastings. In the past, we would prepare the demonstration and then portion out the tasting individual containers and then distribute with a plastic spoon or fork. Can we again follow this type of protocol, or should they be pre pre-por- portioned, pre portioned with the lids and distributed with individually wrapped fork or spoon? And and so, the to me this is really analogous to the entire conversation we just had, and and the the thing that I find really interesting is that and that this. Um, this plays into a webinar that you're doing tomorrow, and and hopefully I can edit this uh, podcast yeah. and get it up so people can go uh, check it out. Um, but you're you're doing a, a a webinar on on transmission in food settings uh, of COVID nineteen with um, Peter Ben and from WHO, who's uh, going to talk about WHO's views on this, but this question really is about food as fomites or fomites around utensils. And what I think is missing from this question are the things that we just talked about, which is mm-hmm. if you're going to provide any sort of tasting that's along the side of educational programming, we need to be thinking about vaccinations. We need to be thinking about masks and we need to be thinking about th- doing things outdoors. And I'm really less concerned about whether someone who's or, like, if this is pre proportioned if it's covered or not, or if it's a individually wrapped fork or spoon, I don't, I don't, I don't care about that at all. In fact, um, I, I shouldn't say that. I care very little about that from a mm-hmm. from a covid standpoint. Right. So so, I mean, I guess the this I'm just getting you to do all my work today because um, this this is an email that I got. But I mean, are you like, do you think I'm think I'm good in, in sort of answering? It? Well, and actually, let me step back. I think I need to write two documents. I think one is here's how you do county fair tasting. Mm-hmm. And then another document, which has 95% of the same stuff in it and a different title, which is here's how you do taste testing in food programming, in nutrition and and food safety programs, because I think it's similar stuff. Oh, I mean, it's all right. Yeah. 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 It's, I, you know, it
0: might even be almost the same document just with a different title, right? Yeah. Because I mean, the the COVID doesn't
1: care. (laughs) COVID COVID don't care. COVID COVID don't care. Um, yeah, so, but I, I think this is really, like, if, I, if I'm getting these questions, I'm sure others are getting these questions, right? Like, this is, this, the, and, and I, I think we, we don't have, I mean, this this is, a I, I think, a good food COVID net um, activity as well, right? Like, the, the, there isn't a lot of, you know, uh, FDA and USDA aren't going to come out with guidance on this, um, likely. And it's not really their, it's not in their mandate to do that so so i think we we kind of need to to fall in and say okay let's try this let's throw out here are some best practices and let people take shots at it um but but i you know i it this these questions are coming up more and more like i said i I think i've had like somewhere in between 15 and 20 around fairs and and i've had probably about the same around around tasting where i'm answering them individually but i think you're right the the answer here is we should we should just come up with here's guidelines let's put them on a website and send them the link Mm -hmm yeah uh, yeah well that's that's good um what uh there was one other thing i was going to ask you about and then we can go I, I i haven't even looked in our in our uh podcast file but i think there's i think there's stuff there too i've been putting stuff there so there's definitely stuff to talk about yeah um i was going to ask you oh yeah so here's another one all right Ah. <laughs> uh, Don, i got this question the other day
0: Mm
1: -hmm. um good morning friends (laughs) i like it when it starts that way it was nice um agent a and i because i'll i'll protect uh you know deep deep agent agent a and i are doing a water bath canning session tomorrow and we're talking about opening the jars that haven't sealed before we put them in the fridge okay so are you following what what this question's about so so they're they're water bath canning something and they they the idea is from from the, this agent that if it if the the jar has not sealed that it needs to be opened before putting it in the fridge mm-hmm. the question to me is could you share the reasoning behind this so we can explain this to class participants so don would you like to guess at this at all Wait, are you you following the thread?
0: I'm I'm not. Tell me one more time. I promise to pay attention this time.
1: (laughs) Um, So this is, Uh, I'll I'll just read it straight up Mm -hmm. Um, because I did have to read it a few times. Okay. It's not just
0: me then. Okay, good. No,
1: no, no. Agent A and I are doing a water bath canning session tomorrow. And we're talking about opening the jars that haven't sealed before we put them in the fridge. Could you share the reasoning behind this step so we can explain that to class participants? So I guess
0: one of the steps in water bath canning is you check to see whether the jars have sealed.
1: Yes, Okay. Ding, ding. If
0: If the jars have not sealed, then they are not quote unquote canned, okay? And Correct. so they need to be refrigerated because they have not been, quote-unquote, canned. They are not shelf-stable.
1: Yeah, And
0: and I guess, and this may be something on the website from the lovely Elizabeth Andress, which says that jars that fail to seal should be opened before refrigeration, I guess just as an added barrier to preventing Clostridium botulinum growth. The refrigeration should take care of it, but... Given that it's not, and I guess I guess also another reason for opening it is you don't want someone to think, oh, here's a canned food that somebody forgot to put in the fridge, or forgot to that put in the fridge accidentally and needs to not be refrigerated. So I guess by breaking that seal, you just indicate, hey, this is no longer this no longer even has the pretense uh, of of being a canned food. It's a canned food that's been opened and therefore needs to be stored. In the fridge. That's that's kind of the logic that I would work
1: through in trying to figure that out. You like exactly, and and I think I think what happened here is, uh, two kind of recommendations got um, conflated, right? So so when when it comes to boil water, like um, water bath canning or boiling water bath, we're already dealing with a high acid or acidified food. Right, like that's mm-hmm. that's the goal here. I think what what happened here is that the we the um just the missing the that that piece of well, it's really important to do this if we're talking about um the uh, um low acid canned food,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? And and if it hasn't been if it's been under processed or or if it and and that's the other thing. It's I don't think it was just about seals. It's like anything goes wrong if the temperature dropped the pressure drop if i cut it off cut off the heat before it was supposed to be done so i know i have something under process i need to open that up because that really could be a a clostridium botulinum risk i also Mm -hmm. really thought about the stuff that you hit on here which is um you know two things we've talked a little bit about um home refrigerators and that there's a lot of range on temperature um and in fact the i think it was uh uh kathy uh colossa uh, published a paper about probably about a decade ago that i think on the out like the outliers there were home refrigerators like 3,000 home refrigerators where they got temperatures or something across the u.s and there were some that were in the 50s so oh yeah so, right so so you gotta like think about that so so yes if i've got an anaerobic environment and i didn't acidify it correctly or if it's not a low acid food that that you know i i should just like make it aerobic because I, I can't count on on just refrigeration, or the temperature goes, you know, or not temperature, the power goes out, and um, now I've got a product that needs that refrigeration. If it was low acid canned food, or something went wrong, right? Um, in in that process, and so the, yeah, I mean I, that that's how it's exactly how I how I approached it. But it took me a while to figure this out. Like this was one of those. It almost came as I'm like, as the agent gave me a fact. Right, the fact is. If the seal doesn't seal, which is what the title said, then I need to open up the jar. Just tell me why again. And and but it's it's a combination of a lot of things here. And so yeah, but but I mean I agree it's a best practice, right? Yeah, and it's yeah, it's, a, it's a good
0: question. I it's
1: mean, a really good question
0: because it, because could, it, sh- it shows that they don't. I mean, it's an opportunity to educate,
1: right? I mean, it's a right. yeah. That's all. It's just a good opportunity to educate. Well, and and the other thing that like as I was thinking about this, if it was a, um, a, an, uh, something that didn't seal fully, you know, Elizabeth talks a lot about the the importance of headspace and and that the calculation as part of making it anaerobic, which is what you want to do. Like you're trying to remove the oxygen, you're trying to draw a vacuum in that preserved can of something. Part of the calculation is how much. Like how much air is there in the first place, right? So if I have a seal fails, but it still created some level of a vacuum in there, I need to open. If I'm going to reprocess, I need to open it back up anyway. Um, if that was what I was wh- what I was attempting to do with uh, with with the food, but I thought this was like this was one that threw me for a loop last week because I was like, I don't. Like I know what the I, I I know what the question is, but I think there's like there's some confusion over exactly what the recommendation is, and it's hard for I can't give you the answer to your question because it's like the the reasons are different depending on what the foods are. Um, but it was good. It was really yeah. It was anyway. That was it's kind of how, how I approached uh, approached that question too. Um. So so let's go let's go into um. Like into the the archives of of our of of, uh, of the uh, the Dropbox folder, um, and then I, I guess I kind of want to start with uh, a little bit of feedback if that's okay. Yeah, sure. Up? Sure, let's go for it. Okay, so so we got um, a message uh, after I posted uh, episode two thirty seven slapping the base. Um, I we got a message from uh, a listener listener Bruce who said, "Whoa." Was listening – and this was like almost immediately afterwards. This is two hours after we posted this, this episode. Whoa. Well, was listening to this episode and heard Professor Ben reference his, quote, washing poultry method. <laughs> right? Got yep, it. Yep. Hasn't it been the recommendation from USDA for quite some time now not to wash poultry? Having seen people wash poultry in a food service setting, I can fully appreciate why. The splash is amazing. I also heard something about the washing process creating aerosols is that a thing perhaps a risky or not subject Washing wall poultry before cooking risky or not. I, I we're gonna definitely add that to the um, to, to the list of risky or not, so I don't want to steal that um, that whole conversation, but I, I, I text, As soon as this email comes in um, both Don and I get it um, And and I respond <laughs> Well, Don says Bruce I'll let Ben defend himself (laughs) right and and I think I text Ben
0: (laughs) makes throwing motion
1: (laughs) go ahead Ben Ben, go go ahead yeah tell us me tell us all all about your washing poultry method (laughs) and I have a full out like even though I just posted this episode I, I I don't even know I'm like did we like did we talk about poultry washing what
0: is yeah? What is, what actually? And it and and he was he was very very kind, and he gave us essentially a timestamp, right? Yes. To say yeah. this is where Ben talks about
1: it. So, yeah, and my response, I was like, um, my poultry washing method. Most of what I say, I can't remember. Bruce, <laughs> exactly. can you point to where in the episode that was? And he gave us a timestamp. So for those listening along at home, uh, go ahead and queue up on your other uh, podcast uh, player. Thirteen minutes and forty seconds into. Um, episode two thirty seven, um, and and so he says, uh, "Listen from thirteen forty, maybe I misunderstood. However, it really sounded like you had your own poultry washing method." Um, and so I wanna I wanna clarify this because after listening to what you and I talked about, it certainly does sound like that. The way that <laughs> I the way that I talked about something in a, a very colloquial manner was um, I, I I was referring to a study that we did here at NC State a couple of years ago, looking at individuals who self-report poultry washing. And in fact, the very driver for this study was what Bruce was talking about, was like this, this idea of there, you know, maybe there's aerosols. When people do wash poultry, there's a chance to spread uh, spread campylobacter or salmonella or whatever might be associated with that poultry throughout the kitchen and meat, meat in general. And so what we wanted to do in our study was really characterize that risk better. Because what we do know about poultry washing, or what had been published on that to that point, was from a, a study that was um, that was done at Camden Bri in the UK, and it's a great it's a great study. But it wasn't it, the results of that study showed that if someone was to wash poultry in a lab setting, that they could spread Campylobacter if there was Campylobacter added to it. Around uh, 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 um, a sink, but part of it was to understand how much could be removed, if any, and where it would go. But it was done in a lab setting with you know one washer, and I think uh, I'll probably get this wrong, Don, but I, it, it was less than twenty uh, chickens. I think like it's it's either like seven or thirteen um, chickens, but washed by one person trying to spread it around. So, so we had this idea of, well, why don't we recruit people who actually wash poultry, um, to uh, to see how they wash it and what it means. And so I referred to what you know in, in this last episode, episode two thirty seven, as what I believed was you know my what, what my thought of a poultry washing method was. And so that was you know rinsing under under running water. But certainly in the listen back of this, it sounds like this is the method that I use at home to wash my poultry, not my, concept. my understanding. Yeah,
0: yeah, my concept of what a person would do. And yeah, and so, and, and listening to it, it, it is, I could understand why he thought that, but I could also yes. understand why, what you were saying. What you're saying is like people, people like we have our conceptions about how people do stuff and they don't do those, they don't follow those conceptions at all, which is why it's so important to bring people in to a lab setting like you have, at the, the the Dinah Shore kitchen <laughs> the kitchen
1: with Dinah
0: <laughs> um, and, and, and actually st- have take real people and study how they do things because guess what they do stuff that you don't necessarily think that they would do.
1: So yeah yeah and and, and even if you ask people and I, I, this is the I guess part of the other context that I missed in that last episode, what what we often trust, or I shouldn't say trust where where we've started a lot of our research where we start ours where many people do and sometimes it's where where we end is asking people do you wash poultry and and we don't often get into well how do you wash poultry and if we just hear you know so and, and I think the um, FDA has a, um, a, a a consumer food safety survey that they run uh, every few years. And, and they've asked that question about poultry washing, and it's like somewhere in between fifty and seventy percent of people, you know, sort of self-report that they wash poultry. the The more important question is how, right? Like, well, I, I shouldn't say the more important. The an equally as important question is is how, so we can understand better about the risk. Not how many do it, um, and it, uh, is is great, but I think where we were at as a field was making assumptions about what that looked like, and what we found in, in our work was that. It doesn't look; it's not all the same. There's variability right, right. on on what what people do, and that's that, that's important as you're trying to get into risk calculations.
0: Yeah, ab- absolutely. And again, I think we've even we've talked about it. We've not talked about it on risky or not, so I've I've got that um, written down now. Um, but we have talked about it on this podcast before, and I think we I've even said like or maybe or maybe not on this podcast but in response to a question like what do you do you open some chicken it's got some juice at the bottom right what do you do with that juice well what I would do is I would carefully dump it into the sink or maybe better yet, dump it into the trash, right? Cause if you dump it into the sink and then you spray water in the sink, you can aerosolize it, but you want to do something with it, right? You want to somehow get that juice that may be laden with campylobacter or salmonella and do something with it to kind of control it, mitigate, mitigate that risk. Cause that, that juice is how in part, how contamination could spread. And so, so figuring out like how you would do that is, is important.
1: Yeah, yeah, it it like it, it really is, and 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 I would say like uh, just to, to fully sort of close the loop on this, I don't I don't have a chicken washing method, but there are times where I will remove the film on a whole turkey, um, and 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 if, especially if there's some like blood or feathers still left left on it. I'm not Donna uh, at Thanksgiving. I'm not. We're not talking like, uh, um, you know, super expensive, uh, artisanal turkey that I'm eating here. I'm I'm just talking about just normal you know regular grocery store uh turkey but there still can be some some feathers and, and blood i'll use a paper towel uh, to wipe that off and then treat that paper towel like it's you know contaminated mm-hmm. or um i you know uh if i've used some sort of cloth towel then i i put that directly in the washing machine so I, i'm still trying to remove it it's not you know but I, i'm i guess substituting the washing um, for uh, with that with that practice, right? Um, but yeah, yeah, that's it, this. It was good, and, and I mean, just thanks to thanks to Bruce for, um, for call not calling it out, but to to asking for for clarification um, on that because certainly in the in the listen back, it was like, oh yeah, I told I you're like I totally see what what happened there, yeah. um, and that we needed to, and we needed to clarify that. So that was that was really good. Um. OK, so there's there's fun stuff in here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want could, do you want to talk about vaccine efficacy? Yeah. OK, so you go, you go, go ahead. I'm going to I'm going to open up some fizzy water here and okay. you, you, you go ahead and, and run with this.
0: All right. So this
1: is uh,
0: feedback from listener Kendra. And uh, she says I've been listening to your podcast both of them for the last year and really enjoying it I am just a just a PCqi and SqF practitioner from a small cut and wrap cheese facility in Wisconsin. Um, your podcast has helped me find many documents and sources to continually improve our food safety program well that's that's really gratifying to hear. Um, I apologize, don't have to apologize. I apologize, but my reason for contacting you is I think you made a mistake. Oh, okay. Um, discussing, uh, good thing she said all those nice things first. <laughs> um, good. Th- I think you made a mistake discussing the COVID-19 vaccines at the beginning of episode uh, 237, Slap in the bass. I may have misunderstood you, but it sounded like you were comparing the 95% efficacy of the mRNA vaccines to 1 in 20 people getting sick after getting the vaccine. I think you may have misspoke or misunderstanding how the efficacy rate is calculated, what that number means. I'm not an expert on virology, but I've been doing my best to learn. Best source I found is TWIV, uh, This Week in Virology. The hosts explained the efficacy rate calculation a few times last year. Below is a simple video explaining how they came to that 95% number. Um, spoiler alert, I did not watch the video. Um, actual percent of pe- vaccinated people in Pfizer and Moderna who got COVID-19 was about 0.04%. Uh, based on current CDC information, I think that number that 0.04% seems very conservative. Uh, couldn't find what types of vaccines were administered to breakthrough cases um uh very few non-symptomatic cases in vaccinated people will be discovered unless and she goes on um anyway i she says i thank you for reading this i apologize for any errors i typically understand science better than i can write about it and i and I, I really i really appreciate kendra kendra actually reaching out because i have been thinking about this for some time and it was really kendra's kendra's message that encourage me to actually go and figure it out and so I don't I don't, I don't like, I'm old Ben. I don't like watching videos that explain how to do something. I, for me to understand a number, a calculation, I have to actually do it myself. Like that's just the way that, that I learn. And so we will, we will definitely link to the, uh, the, the link, uh, that, uh, that Kendra provides, which is a link to a Twitter post, which, whoops, which has a video, uh, except there is something very weird that happens every time I print a PDF. Oh yeah. And I copy from the PDF and it, it doesn't work, but thankfully I have the amazing uh, Text sniper to, to, to solve it. So anyway, we'll link to this video, um, on vaccine efficacy. Although I say I did not watch it. What I did do is I did, let's see, let me find. Um, Okay, all right, so I made my own spreadsheet, but I don't put the links in the message. I put the links in the spreadsheet. And so there is a... uh, So first thing I did was like said, okay, how does CDC calculate efficacy, right? And if you go to the CDC website, principles, and we'll link to this as well, principles of epidemiology and public health practice, third edition, introduction to applied epidemiology and biostatistics um lesson three measures of risk section six measures of public health impact they talk about how to calculate vaccine efficacy or vaccine effectiveness and basically there's an equation and it, it looks at the the risk among the unvaccinated group and the risk to the vaccinated group and then they calculate basically a risk ratio and so i won't at the risks of of getting that wrong i won't i won't um, read the equations to you, but then they also reference some data in the previous uh, uh, section of the, the lesson where they talk, they, they show incidents of varicella among school, school children in nine affected classrooms, and they have vaccinated, unvaccinated those that got the disease and those that did not get the disease. And then basically you can you can use this information to calculate the, the risk, the risk ratio. And so what I did was I made a spreadsheet where I could actually just put in those numbers. And that's that's the way that I think best and that I learn about this stuff. And so and then just to double check, I just Googled vaccine efficacy. Um, you know, to look on the internet, and it turns out that there is a, a really nice web page from the New York Times, which also basically does this for data for it looks like for for J and J, and then oh yeah, it looks like data for for J and J, where you can basically you have to do a little bit of math because what matters is is it the total number of people or you know like in the um, in the CDC thing, it's You have to be clear what you're what you're taking the ratios of. Um, Sorry, let me get this up once more. Um, So basically, you have the number of people that were vaccinated, the number that were unvaccinated, the cases and the non cases. And then in some cases. You in some cases you, you well to do the math. Wait, depending on how you do the math, you want you may want to look at the total number, right? So, so for example, 152 people were vaccinated in the the varicella, and of those that were vaccinated, eight got varicella, and 134 didn't. And so you've got to get the right denominator in there. But basically, what essentially the, what I did this is just a long way of saying what I did was I made a spreadsheet to prove that I was right.
1: <laughs> You're right. So
0: I can reproduce the CDC calculations. I get the same number in terms of vaccine efficacy um, for I can do the same thing for J&J. And then I can do the same thing for my assumption. And so for my assumption, I assumed that we had 100 people just for the sake of of c- calculation hundred people were vaccinated 100 people weren't vaccinated I assumed that of the people that weren't vaccinated a hundred percent of them got sick 100 out of 100 and of the ones that were vaccinated five out of 100 or five were got sick and 95 didn't get sick and that basically gives a vaccine efficacy of 95 percent which is one in 20. Okay, so so my math on this is correct, but it is complicated, right? Because you never have a situation where you have the same number of people vaccinated and unvaccinated. You never have vaccinated people that all get sick. Right. And so but but here's the thing. Now that I built this spreadsheet, I can plug in whatever numbers I want and I can get that efficacy. Now, what what I still would like to do and I have not had the motivation to do yet is that there is. This, this calculation in the spreadsheet gives a point estimate. Now an actual point of fact that number has uncertainty around it right so we can calculate 95% efficacy but that that efficacy is not a, it's not it's yes the 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 point estimate is 95% but depending upon whether you have 10 people 100 people 1000 people 10000 people the the uncertainty around that estimate is going to change what what i haven't done a deep dive into is to figure out the math around how you calculate that and i'm i'm not i'm so vaguely interested, but not like interested enough to do it. But anyway, so this was a, I really appreciate. So first of all, I really appreciate Kendra's really nice message. I really I do appreciate like when people call us out and say, hey, we think you said something stupid, or we think that you're wrong. I, I well, my first reaction is I'm just irritated, right? Because that's just my default reaction. But but I but I'm not irritated at Kendra. I'm actually very grateful for the motivation to go out and to actually do these these calculations, which is something that I I I really I mean here's the thing: if I knew I was right, I would have gone and done the calculations right there's a, a, a certainly a possibility that I was getting this wrong I'm, I'm pleased to see that i didn't get it wrong um but but i'm also willing to admit that i could have got it wrong and so i, I do appreciate being being called out and 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 ha- having the opportunity to do the calculations
1: and you're like and and i'm going to i'm going to check to make sure i didn't do it wrong right right yeah 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 um cool okay that's good. so uh, there's some there's some fun stuff um, in in here well one one Uh, Like things that we have not talked about uh, that I wanted to talk about. Uh, Oh,
0: can I I close the loop on something from earlier? Um, Yeah. I went to Philmont in 2006. We did not start the podcast until 2011. Um, And so so I I went to Philmont before we started the podcast. I started doing the math with my kids' ages, and I was like, that can't be right. right. Thanks to the internet and the wonderful um, and actually, well, not the layout know, a little a little bit the internet. And thanks to the wonderful app Huda spot, which is how I search for things on my Mac, I discovered that I went to Philmont in 2006. We did we did talk about Philmont on Food Safety Talk 180, which has the amazing title. That's the question I'm asking, which is a very <laughs> funny thing that makes me laugh every time that I think about when uh, Ben's kid said that. So anyway, um, so sorry. I just wanted to I just wanted to close the loop on. That because it was it was bugging me.
1: Well, no, and, and you know what? I bet this. Yeah, you know, we we've known each other for for so long, and in fact, I think. What do we have our fifteen year Facebook anniversary or something? <laughs> something uh, like that. Something like that. Uh, but but I bet in two thousand and six, um, what what I blended together was that you visited me probably oh, in two thousand and yeah yeah. So it was a conversation. It was just before yes. we were recording them, and I yes. was like. I probably you 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 came to to stay at my house and you walked my dog. Yes and I was part of you you might have been saying oh, I I walking, would love to go to a yeah. walk for to part to try oh, yeah. to go to film on. So yeah. so there you go. There you it go. It was a oh, totally. solved that problem. Yeah. Um okay. So no, that's good. Uh I, I we put something in the um In in the uh, our little podcast uh, Dropbox, the doc. I think think we're supposed to call it the doc. put it in the doc, but it's not a doc. It's not Uh, a doc. uh, And and it was because on another podcast that we do that we don't record that's called Writing Buddies. It's, it's just for four of us um friend, friend of the show friend of ours she believes she's banned but she's been unbanned multiple times but is still sticking to the original ban when you banned her from listening she's not returned to the show so she'll never hear this but michelle daniluk um uh, uh, authored uh, uh, i think uh co-authored uh, a, a quite a good document and i i say that um, I say that not being biased towards Michelle um, and all the the awesome things that she does, but this is a really cool document um, for uh, public health and in, in, um, individuals uh, on investigating fresh produce cyclospora outbreaks. And this sounds like kind of sounds like a bit of a left turn because um, we haven't really talked a whole lot uh, about this, but there's there's a whole bunch of, I, I think evolving, uh, issues around um cyclospora outbreaks in in the US and and source attribution that Michelle and and other friend of the show also on that other podcast that we don't record Linda Harris um are, are deal with uh, as part of the, their air, their world of fresh produce and so um I just wanted to point out for those who who didn't know that this document is available because we didn't know in, until Michelle shared it with us there's a really cool um, you know, four page. Here are things to think about in an investigation, and 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 I'll I'll go like through this a little bit because I think this is you know one of the things that's been stressed through, I, I think the entire Food Safety Modernization Act and FDA's movement into sort of modernizing what they do in investigations um, is is this. Thought that um, folks who are doing investigations have not been exposed to farm settings before Mm. and and this does a really good job like like investigative considerations getting back to the farm are there portable toilets observed are there any signs of toilet paper in field are there any signs of human feces in the fields. Um, Any potential sources of human waste in and around the farm or water sources thinking about septic systems wastewater treatment facilities landfills um, Is there any flooding so it it just really goes down like it's it's almost like a checklist to me of Okay, so you're investigating cyclospora and we think that we're back to some sort of a source here are places that maybe cyclospora could be coming from. So think about these things. And if you're not super familiar with the area of harvest and, and production, you might not be aware of, um, you know, uh, of this idea of like septic tanks uh, being really prevalent in that, uh, you know, in rural, um, in you know, in rural parts of the parts of the world. So anyway, I just wanted to give a shout out. We'll link to this in um, in show notes. And Donna, have a, I have a link if you are? Uh, I, f- I found it. Good. Okay, yeah, we cool. had
0: trouble finding it before, but but once you have the document, you can just do a search on the title and you'll find it. So I've I've got it up. So thanks.
1: Yep, yep, yep. Um, and then they also talk like, and I guess before we we leave this, the the thing that's really kind of cool um, about this is cyclospore is one of those pathogens that's that's special, like listeria. It doesn't doesn't really uh, follow or act like the other ones. If we think about like salmonella or pathogenic E. coli. And so, so in challenges, they talk about, you know, with cyclospora, we're we're concerned about oocysts, and once they're in the environment, concerned about what? Oocysts, oocysts. I I think I just called them oocysts.
0: Yeah, I've always heard it said
1: oocysts. Oh. Well, see that there you go. There's Canada and, and the U.S. Oh, actually. it could be the, you're you're doing the Canadian pronunciation. Yeah, colored colored pencils right here. Uh, <laughs> could be could be tomatoes. Who <laughs> assists? Yeah, uh, their lack of methods or treatments, chlorine to eliminate them. Uh, so so anyway, they just you. Know, it's it, it's kind of just like and, and here's one. What I'm going to do for you, uh, Don, as well in the uh, Canadian content here as the day after Memorial Day. I would call this a primer on. Uh, <laughs> uh I uh, uh, cycles for and I think you would call it a primer, primer yeah yeah but, I, it's, but i'll it's, accept i'll accept primer i'm the,
0: not uusis i'm not sure i'm going to accept that i'm i'm I'm, I'm, I'm still uh, i'm still on the fence about that I'm, I'm oh, you still.
1: go Yeah, you you take your uusis and you think about it i'll take uusis for 300 dollars alex um, so anyway, just we we um, we were remiss in talking about that in the last episode because we, we learned about it a few weeks ago. But I wanted to make sure we yes. got we got it out there. Um. So I. I oh, yeah.
0: Uh, so I, I also want to do some feedback uh, on. Uh, so almost every topic that someone sends to us for discussion on our other podcast, risky or not, is a good topic um, there. We are. I think that the evidence as presented on the website is quite clear that we will never, ever um, finish all the topics because we are getting them faster than we can deal with them, okay? But I did get some very nice feedback that I don't think we'll be dealing with on the show because it's just not that... It's fascinating, but it's just not appropriate for Risky or Not. And so this is uh, a message from a listener... Uh, called Matthias, uh, and he says this is a question for the show. Um, perhaps a good follow-up to the canned BLT episode, canned cheeseburgers. And he let me let me not do that. Let me do Text Sniper, and I will cut and paste. And I'm going over here, and I'm pasting, and I'm finding it. And then I also really want to link to Text Sniper. We've talked about Text Sniper before. Um, they're not a sponsor, um, but they should be. They should be. Um, so, so Tech Sniper, and if you don't have a Mac, um, you can't use this app, and I, I don't care. Email, please email um, Ben or Dan or someone. Um, Merlin, email well, Merlin. John.
1: Email
0: um, <laughs> um, Tech Sniper is an amazing way to basically capture text on your screen. I use it multiple times a day, every day. It's, there's just so many times when you want to capture something. Um, and, and usually when I'm saving a PDF from work, from my email program, and I want to use the title of the email, the, the subject header of the email, and, and, and for whatever reason, Outlook. Used, Apple Mail used to do it correctly. Outlook does not. It just wants to call it untitled. And so anyway, you, this is a great app. But anyway, let's come back to Matthias's feedback. Um, so this is an article from Mashed entitled you should never eat canned cheeseburger here's why and so read the article but basically this is a company that sells ca- a german company that sells camping supplies and you know ben you might have been hankering for a cheeseburger while you were out there cooking your try tri tips um <laughs> and this would have been the perfect solution for you um uh this is a canned uh cheeseburger and it Absolutely, looks disgusting. Um, but I'm sure, I'm sure, it's perfectly safe. Okay, like I, it looks. I'm not sure that that is a. I guess that's a picture from the from the canned burger, the canned um, product. But boy, oh boy, does that look really, really gross. And but it would be perfectly safe, right? Like you take a burger, you smash it down. You know, you probably have to add some water, I mean, because you, you have to get the air out of the burger, right? Because we, we talked about this in the in the, the BLT episode. Um, it's This is a $7 cheeseburger, <laughs> which is shelf-stable and probably tastes disgusting. But from a risky, like, risk that you're going to lose your cookies after you eat it, not zero risk of getting food poisoning from it i would say uh, essentially nil because it's a pro- it's, i'm assuming it's going to be a properly canned food so i'm not not really worried at all about getting sick from this but but because and so it'll be a pretty boring risky or not that would rehash a lot of the stuff that we talked about but i couldn't i couldn't let it go unremarked upon because it was so nice of matthias to send this to us Uh, And to tell us about this, because I, I for one, want to live in a world where you can buy a canned cheeseburger, even if they are gross.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's something else. Uh, There's some there's some other interesting stuff at this uh, ASMC adventure company, Uh uh, which is, like you said, I think a German rations. So like you can get. I, I think these are like you know okay the we're in the apocalypse and the power's gone out. Um, what we what you can get uh, this this burger. You can also get uh, canned whole grain bread. Um, then you can just get canned white bread, uh, with, which has a shelf life of two years from the date of manufacture. Um, and it, it, I don't know. There's I mean there's a lot of it, it's it's survival food right like right. that's you can get some pumpernickel here. Um, the dried lentil stew, a uh, Serbian style meat with rice. Um, that's from the our recommendations. There's a lot of there's a lot of stuff here, but yeah, I'm with you, right? Like there's a situation here where cer- certainly gross, but I would I think we have I, we we don't want to be you know really uh, full of assumptions, but I think we assume if it's in commercial sale um, that that there's someone is looking at this product to make sure that it's, um, it's you know safe. What I love, I don't know if, if you looked at the picture um, of the burger on a plate. It's, just, that, can't be the, that can't be what came out of the can. Right. Right? Like, that's a, just a burger. It's a burger. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just, it's great. Like we, we're including a picture of a burger, so you know what it looks like. Also, don't expect this to be the thing that comes yeah. out of the can. Oh, and,
0: and it says, for best results, open both sides of the can. Mm,
1: gotta love that. Oh, i didn't I, bring a can opener either don is that a, <laughs> is that a problem you should,
0: should, it should have, brought have brought one and then made your kid open it
1: oh, this is nice <laughs> nice oh, <laughs> oh. oh.
0: oh, oh I, I do i do want to say I, I i am loving this mashed article um they it's entitled seven canned foods you should buy and seven you shouldn't um one of the should buy is king oscar uh wild caught sardines i had those for lunch today not the flavor that they have but i i have so i think we've talked about this i have sardines for lunch on a regular basis
1: really really good so yeah i like uh i i might try these uh, uh 365 everyday value sliced beets i like you know i like a beet, don you know I, i'm like i like fr- i like fresh beets and i like beets um Oh, that's. But yeah, I, we we I know we have talked. I'm not, I'm not a canned meat kind of person. I like I like my, <laughs> like my meat like my meat and not not to come in cans. Whether it's fish or other other meats, but I but I'll eat some I'll I'll eat some canned vegetables, and I'll eat some canned beans. But uh, but mainly these one that's on the list that that they told me not to buy. Um, I I bet I have a can of this in my pantry right now. The old El Paso traditional refried refried beans because they said that they're. Uh, don't don't eat them because there's lots of uh, lots of trans fats, and uh, lots of sodium. But okay. they're, they're tell you they're tasty, tasty. Um, hey, so uh, t- do you have something you want to talk about? Uh, not, I mean, no. So, I was just gonna tell you that there's more. There's you can also get a donor, donor for one can, but it's sold out right one. now. That's so sad. It, Don and uh, from the um, from the. Uh, uh, a description here. The donor kebab in a can is a long shelf life and is a perfect variety to the emergency food supply for camping. Like the original with kebab meat, cabbage, and sauce. To prepare, simply warm in the can for approximately 10 minutes in hot water. Evaluations. Um, ah, One star from Arnaud D, uh, but it's all in... It's in French. Um... Uh,
0: he yeah, didn't like it. I'm, I'm just imagining do Air For One. I'm just imagining some sad divorced guy sitting there opening his do Air
1: For One. Don't Air For One. Power's cut off in his house. He's just burnt. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which, which, uh, sorry. Which,
0: but which reminds me, I really do want to uh, rewatch the movie Sideways. Did you ever see Sideways? Oh, yeah. Merlot. Yeah yeah exactly i i i i I watched it but before i really got into wine so much and uh there's a wonderful not a spoiler alert for a movie that came out um in 2004 but there's a wonderful very sad scene that takes place in a fast food restaurant
1: (laughs) there is there is Uh.
0: so 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 ben um will home cooking become the new dining out and what are your thoughts on Utah's is being the second state to adopt microenterprise home kitchen operations law?
1: I love this, Don. I love this conversation. And in fact, it intrig- this this article that came to us from Reason.com, dot uh, and I can't remember someone someone tagged us maybe on on yeah. Twitter or emailed us on this. Like I don't know who it was, but I love this has opened up a new term for me that I would never heard of before. <laughs> it's uh they're called Mikos. Did I pronounce that? How would you pronounce that? Oh, M um, E H K O S. Mako, like the shark. M-E-K-O, M-E-K-O, but I think Mako, like the shark's spelled with an M A, isn't it? Oh, Not you're a, right.
0: Miko. You're right. It's Miko. Yeah.
1: It's a Mikos. It's, it's, it's a Greek house. Uh, it, 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 Mikos stands for Micro Enterprise Home Kitchen Operation. Mikos. So Utah joins California as the only state with Miko laws. These laws are intended to provide low overhead, very low overhead income potential for out of work chefs, stay at home parents, recent immigrants, uh, potential restaurant and food truck owners and students, anyone really who has made side hustles out of their kitchens before and during the pandemic. And so, yeah, I mean, it's so so essentially the the law is to allow, you know, (laughs) allow you to run a restaurant out of your home. Unlike what was that? What was that one that we talked about a few episodes back, <laughs> oh, where the guy that's. was like, "I am definitely not running a restaurant. This is not local council. Go away." The sign that says this "is a restaurant" is not a restaurant.
0: And uh, come to the back if you want to pick up your food.
1: <laughs> yes. Yep. 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 Uh, oh gosh. Uh, but yeah. So I mean, I, I think this is. Um, I. I think it provides some challenges uh, from a food safety standpoint. I think the the difference between an out-of-work chef running a, a restaurant out of their home and someone who just makes really good tomato pie running a restaurant out of their home, I think that's different to me, like someone who's, who's trained. I think that there still certainly needs to be um, uh, some level of um, – training and the utah one is is nice and in fact it's all about your your perspective because in this this um uh article it says um utah's law isn't perfect either like in california utah's law also contains permitting and inspection requirements which some. and utah's law doesn't allow buyers to consume the food in the home where it was produced meaning home supper clubs aren't legal but i i you know if it certainly this this type of economy is happening um i'm a fan of you know see rob milk Amsterdam uh mm-hmm. uh permitting and inspection requirements like if we're going to do this let's let's have some level of regulatory infrastructure around it
0: yeah i mean my philosophy is people are doing this anyway yep. right let's let's get the regulatory arms around them so that we can make sure that they are actually you know doing it as safe as we can you know, help them to m- make it
1: right. Uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And like a put, put in a, a way to get the folks the right information and, and put the standards together, right. To, to be able to do it. Um, yeah. I mean, we, I mean, we've talked about Facebook foods I, every once in a while. I'll see, um, well, and I, should, I, I really haven't seen this recently, but I used to go to this gym where there was a, um, a, a, um, like, post-it board where people would say hey well you know just call me we'll deliver um, uh, meals to your home we live in this neighborhood like it's it's, it's uh, you know sort of this you know bl- black market catering um process so I, I mean I, I think I, I yeah I'm put putting some level of regulatory oversight over it is is better than than not and I will uh, now I'm gonna be using Nico a lot uh, and mm. people, no one will know what it, what it means. I'm in fact going to use it in talks to make myself look smart and then say, oh, I'm sorry, you don't, you don't know what a Miko is. Um, it's a micro enterprise home kitchen operation. Mm. Uh, um, so we talked about Miko's uh, can't be I got, we, I got one for you here. Sure. <laughs> kind of goes on this. So tell me, tell me Don, and, and I think this is one of those ones where maybe neither of us remember how this gets in here, but mm-hmm. we do have an article from a couple of weeks ago about AI-generated food trucks. Oh,
0: okay. I know I know how this got in here. So I, so this is, uh, I, I subscribe to a newsletter um, from the amazing Janelle Shane, and this used to be a, uh, a, a Tumblr. Uh, and, and she moved to a substack um, and it is entitled AI Weirdness and we'll see if we can find a link to it yeah it, you'll, we'll link to her, her blog which is AI uh, Weirdness which has the article on AI generated food trucks and so what she does she is just an incredibly talented scientist or computer programmer and so she is really into AI like artificial intelligence and she, ha- she is able to like she has these um, AI programs where she feeds it some data and then she turns it loose to generate names of stuff. And so she has a bunch of different um, of these these neural net programs. Um, she starts, in this case, she starts with the, the largest one called DaVinci if, because if DaVinci can't figure it out, the other ones won't. Um, but she said... Uh, da vinci added new food trucks to the list but when when she checked uh the food trucks already existed so da vinci's has seen enough of lists of real restaurants and food trucks that it just used those right so that's not fun right but but then um she said she i had the best results with the smallest uh, variant ada who knew enough to catch on this was a list of food trucks usually but not enough to come up with any existing or even plausible suggestions and i have to say um like don't don't read this during a faculty meeting unmuted okay because i inevitably these things make me laugh so um a pasta by the fifth tree how porsche's waswolf dog shift to earth a literal bed of pasta turned inside out is served at this pizza truck booth next one they you Turbo treat and funnel cake awaited anyone accepting the sign—a collection of assorted cardboard tiles. I don't know why these make me laugh, but they're just so nuts. Anyway, I love. It. I, I won't spoil it, but go, go check out AI weirdness. Go and right now, as we as we link to it, the AI generated food trucks is the top post. I really, I do not subscribe to her paid um sub stack, but i really should because i get such joy and delight from her her free one but it is i'm just so glad i f- i don't know how i found her in the first place but i'm just so glad that i have found her uh, you can also follow her uh, janelle c shane on twitter we'll link to her twitter pl- profile as well um just the absolute delight
1: um so i i think okay so two things i don't know how these things work like can you can you give me like a uh, like I, I understand that neural nets exist. Yeah, I understand that AI is a thing. But do you query? Like, do you kind of like like as she writes here? I I, I gave um, five you know short descriptions for five real trucks: Gordo's Donuts, which I've eaten at in uh, uh, in Austin, uh, Benacery Taco Beast, the grill, Grinellium Grillenium Falcon, Grillenium Falcon, and Company Seventy Seven Mobile Pizza Unit, and then got a neural net called GP. T- GPT-3 to add to the list. So, so does it? It's kind of like here are things. Now make more of these things. Is that what? Like here, like make give me something. That, like, how does it work, Don? Yeah.
0: Um, so you know, if you Google uh, how does AI work, which is what I always do, <laughs> um, you oh find lots of that. hits. But I will, I will link to the Wikipedia page. But basically, my understanding is it's sort of, uh, in some ways, it is like regression analysis right in that you throw a bunch of data and it looks for patterns and it tries to pull patterns out now a lot of people will use it instead of regression for salt, for making models, and I, I think that's quite frankly stupid because what AI does you don't always know why the AI is working to do that. It's the things that it's doing. Whereas if you're building a regression model, you know exactly how it's working. You've got these parameters with with these levels of significance, and 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 the, the math combines them in this way. Where I think AI is good is it do, like there's no way you build a regression model to, to build food trucks, and so the the base, my base and again. If some smart person wants to link us to something that's better than the Wikipedia page, we're we're happy to to take a look at that. But the basic idea is here is a pattern of a thing, right? And you give it enough of the thing to learn. Okay, this is this is how a description of a food truck looks, right? Like it's got a title and it's got these kind of words in it and they're put together in these patterns. And then and then you just sort of turn it loose and you say, "Okay, now now you understand the patterns. Now go make your own things of this thing and and of course the the things that are so great about what Janelle creates is the ones that are funny are the ones that are just not good Right. 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 Um, because they look enough like a good thing. And again, I don't know what it is about these that I literally uh, almost every time laugh out loud. And I can't even tell you why I think they're funny. Right. Except that it just it just makes me just makes me laugh. So um, but that's basically the way that it works. It's, it's in my under, my rudimentary understanding is it's 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 you learn enough about a pattern to be able to try to match that pattern. And then it's it's quite fun when things go off the rails.
1: Can I, can I just use a neural network? Well, like, like, do I have, or do I need a? I, I need a. I, I need a GitHub. Uh, I need- no, I think
0: you. I think you can. the The problem is, it's like let's let's like saying, can you use R? Well, yeah, you can right. use R. I can use R. I've used R. I'm not very good at R. It takes me a really long time to do even the simplest of things. So I like to partner with really, really smart people that know how to use R. That's much more fun for me. Right, but, okay. but yeah, you yeah. Theoretically, Ben, I'm I'm sure, given enough time, yes, you could go and do an AI.
1: <laughs> okay, I'm gonna go. I might do some AI. I might. I like this. To, uh, just before booger space, hanging teeth. This is maybe my favorite food truck. Um, two animated clowns venture up into the lift shaft of the fruit cart. The clowns bust <laughs> out hives of fuzzy boogers. At the top of the shaft, they spring King Wiggly. This antichloricode steam gives the boogers wings. This is the only thing drawing attention in any way, shape, or form throughout the dome. That's the kind of <laughs> food chalk I want to eat at. Is boogers based AT. And I want to eat with King Wiggly, who I think is probably the the, the best character in the, in the animated clowns venturing uh, to, to get me some food. Uh, yeah, this is uh, this this is awesome. Okay, so I've now. I, I haven't subscribed to um, uh, to, to the AI awareness n- newsletter, but I, I am now following um, Janelle C. Shane on, okay, Twitter, on Twitter, which is okay. the way that I like to get uh, get the new things. Cool. Um, uh, there was one other thing that we didn't talk about here. Did we look? What is this? Uh, no, that was one we're going to put into.
0: Yeah, anyway, so I, I just thought you would like that because, number one, it's funny. And number two, I know you like
1: food trucks. So, anyway, I'm, I'm glad to I do. sucked you in. I really like food trucks.
0: Oh, I know what the last thing is.
1: Yeah, the, and I say this is the last thing because this is the perfect place to end. So, so Don, <laughs> Don tweets something great um, today, which is uh, just so angry. Um, and... Uh, and it's a it's a link to uh, this this thing from the University of Georgia. Don, I just want to want to highlight something here. Um, y- y- you are uh, a, a university. You're a, you're a dog, right? You're a, you're a, you're a Georgia Bulldog. You're a do- Did I say that right? Dog. That is how you're supposed to say it. Um,
0: so I you're
1: I, you're I, an alumni alumnus.
0: I am an alumnus. Yes. Of the University of Georgia.
1: Pr- proudly. Yeah. Proudly. Um, and uh, and so there's UGA Today, which I, I think would be like the you know the the news services for UGA. They they've got this really cool um, article um, on uh, the, all the the University of Georgia alumni who have podcasts. Um, so they've they've got uh, uh, well, Monica- let's not say all. Well, okay, hang on, I think <laughs> we've got we got Monica Padman who does the armchair expert. Um, and, uh, so, uh, we've got, uh, Chuck Bryan and Josh Clark, stuff you should know. We know about that one. Yep. Um, Annie F. Downs. That sounds fun. Um, Tram Jones does something on overseas, a UGA alumni couple podcast about work and life in Haiti. Um, there's, uh, Joy Harden Bradford therapy for black girls. Dr. Joy explores mental wellness, personal development for black women. I keep scrolling here, Don. It, it, I don't see. Dr. Don from Food Safety Talker, you or not? Uh, is it maybe in the part? Maybe it's in a follow-up episode, a, a, a follow-up part.
0: One, one can only hope. But I mean, Ben, how would how would you feel if the University of Guelph had a a a, a title of uh, saying something like Guelph alumni at the forefront of podcasting, and you weren't listed? How would you feel about
1: that? I would feel the same way that you are because I. I mean, I kind
0: of feel like I'm at the forefront of. Pod- I mean, I, it's it's a we have two shows, Ben. They're small shows, but they're highly rated. You know, right. I, I I mean, I am resisting the urge to go and look up. I mean, the the how you should know uh, stuff you should know podcast. They have more listeners than us, and I don't I don't I don't begrudge them featuring you know women of color and and that that's great. I mean, some of these look like really good shows. I, I am gonna resist the temptation to go look and see how many people actually subscribe to punt and pass, um, or the academic perspective, um, because that would just make me more angry. And who knows, maybe they're really very successful, massive shows. Ben, for all I know, they actually did a comprehensive search and they rank them by stars or listeners, and they, and we we didn't make it above the fold, you know, which is right. which is fine, but it was just. It was just. I just. I. I sat down. I sat down to eat my lunch today, and I'm like, "Oh, good." The uh, the University of Georgia alumni magazine, and I looked at it. And I'm like, "Oh, this looks interesting." Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. This 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 cannot stand.
1: I, I think it's yeah. i So two things happened to me. I did Google Guelph alumni podcast, <laughs> and I didn't find anything. I don't like. Here's the thing, Don. Do you think that? Do you think UGA knows like for like that you have a podcast? You know what I mean? Like that, that you're an alumni and you have a podcast because it's not like listed in the, you know, risky or not. Um, we don't well, say um, welcome to risky or not. The uh, short podcast about uh, whether we <laughs> think things are risky or not by uh, University of Georgia dog, uh, Dr. <laughs> Don, which maybe we should because that might have got you on the list. <laughs> but maybe, maybe they don't know. Maybe they don't know who, who, what you're what you're doing. Well, and, and the, yeah.
0: I, 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 what I do want to know is how did they come up with this list, right? Like, that's, yeah. I just want to know. I want transparency, man. I just want to know the process.
1: And how? Yeah. What? And and if you were on the short list or even a very long list and just didn't make it to the to the top of the, that long list, I mean, to so the two, I mean, stuff you should know. And then Armchair Expert, those are like, well, like, you know. Hundreds of thousands of uh, of downloads, right? Like those are those are big podcasts. But I but I agree are these other ones. I don't I don't know. But what do we know? What do we what do we, But I can I can definitely report that uh, in my quick googling, there is not a Guelph alumni podcast news article. So okay. I feel like, and, and I'm going to put the call out now. If the University of Guelph is going to talk about alumni with podcasts, I'm here. I'm ready. Well, and, let me, fact, and,
0: and let me just say, if anybody is listening to this who has any insight or has any leverage with the folks at UGA who um, write for the alumni magazine, and and would and if they would like to do a follow-up episode with other dog pod, I, w- I would settle. I would settle just for a short listing of all the podcasts done by Georgia Bulldogs, of which we get a line. You know, I'm not. I'm not asking to be the feature, okay? I just right. want to mention.
1: Just, a, just, just a, throw me, me a, throw a, me a bone. Get just it? a nod Bulldogs to here's, here's bones. Here, the bulldog. Oh gosh, I think we gotta end there. <laughs> 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 I'm, I'm so slow. I miss the can opener. I miss the dog. Throw me a bone. I'm a dog, dog. it's the way Every time I see the word. Um, They D A W. They write it,
0: dog. Which is just, I yeah, I'm. That
1: you know that that's that's probably
0: that's probably what it is. Is they know that I am not really. um,
1: These folks, these (laughs) these folks are all donating money, dog. That's how you get. it. Hey, I
0: give them money. I send them money all the time. I just don't send them a lot of money, but I send them money because that's how I get the newsletter. If I send them money, I mean, yeah. Yeah, but I'm not. But I'm not a. I'm not a big fan of uh, Georgia Bulldog football. That's for sure. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you, but you're not I mean, here's the thing. You're not a fan of other football either. It's not just Georgia. Yeah, here, here's
0: Bulldog. the thing. I I like the Georgia Bulldogs as much as I like any other college football team including the Scarlet Knights or the Big Red of they Cornell. Might, okay, right, Let's right. just say
1: Right. Like they would be in your top three. Yeah. Oh, for
0: sure, they're in my top three.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, right, for right, sure. Right. Yeah. In fact, they I might guess.
0: even be. Oh, let me think where they would be. Yeah. I. They wouldn't be first. Well, I don't. You know. This I. I don't I, know. I, it's hard to say. They're, but they're. Three. They're in the top
1: three. <laughs> the uh, <laughs> University of Guelph Griffins uh, would would not be in, would be in my my top three. Um, favorite uh canadian football uh college teams for sure which is uh, almost a totally different game because the field is longer and there are less downs because that's how we roll in canada just gotta you know take that american thing uh call it, you 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 call it um uh you call it soccer up there we, yeah you, you you call it colored pencils and i call it pencil crayons <laughs> that's it uh, all right i think that's a show um Uh, this is food, Food Safety Talk. We do this podcast all the time. There's no real outro. What happens here? I try to figure out what to say, and then we just do this where I say, okay, Don, bye. Bye. Because
0: we, now that we have, see, now that we have another podcast that has an outro, you kind of feel like you need an outro. Yeah. Like, I don't feel like we need an intro because we just start talking about how our microphones or whatever, but it does kind of feel like we need an outro.
1: Huh. Huh. Um, Hey, I got a, I just looked at my call recorder. Uh-huh. It's going. It's okay. Going. It says one hour and 23 minutes, Ooh. which is much less than what we talk. Yeah. Um, could you, could yeah. you upload the file okay. for me? Um, cause I don't know what's, what just happened there. Yep. I, well, I'll tell you what, and I don't know this is the first time I've ever done this. So my, um, my airpod maxes, the battery died. So I went back to my old headphones and, um, I wonder if I switched it um oh. an hour and 23 minutes.
0: And yeah, once I, you, pulled, I bet you did. I bet, that, I bet you did.
1: Yeah. It, but you it, didn't it. unplug the microphone, right? No, no, I didn't unplug the microphone. I just unplugged the, the, the audio. Like the the, little, the the audio jack. So um yeah, so if you could if you could do that, that would be fantastic. Sure. Um, cool. <laughs> um cool. I feel I do feel really refreshed after this weekend of sleeping in the outdoors and mm. going to bed at nine very it was very good. I felt very, very motivated today.
0: Yeah, I like uh, I don't I don't know what the weather was like by you. I, I really we've had some cooler weather and it was nice to have the house be cooler and even sleep with the windows open some nights. I, I just find that, that I wake awake refreshed when that happens. So
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um it was it rained and but it was it was also cool a couple of like two or three out of the four nights it was it was really nice and cool and it was it, there was a breeze off the ocean which was mm. nice
0: yeah um, i googled the place it looks really nice
1: dude Ocracoke was like it's got its own vibe it's a it's like a beach town that mm-hmm. that it, you gotta you gotta be going there no one's driving through it right it's not like, right it, yeah uh it was so so great okay so let's do let's do another one of these oh. uh Let's schedule.
0: Do well, you think so? You already just wrap it up. I don't think we should. We just
1: keep going. Okay. Now that we're, then well, we decided that we're nine, nine years in, right? 12, 2012 that's a, long, that's a long, We gotta, we gotta go at least ten. Yeah. So we can do the anniversary show. Yes. Yeah. Um. So I. Oh, what is this? I can't. I, gotta I have something that's in my calendar, Tuesday the fifteenth of June, that is just entitled "Chickens" with an exclamation <laughs> mark. <laughs> I know what it is, but uh, um, but I, I I have that. So I, I have a window from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Or really, I could do like 10:30 until yeah, 1 p.m.
0: I, I'm, I've got a. Um, I'm part of this. You
1: have you ever heard of uh,
0: uh, Ilse North America?
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember their sweets? <laughs> hey, used <laughs> to make these awesome. Thank you, thank you.
0: Not the candy. The place. No, you No. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so they are no more. They have rebranded as IFNS, I A F N S. And I am um, a uh, trustee. I think. Uh, anyway, I'm board member. Something. I'm something with them. And they they got a meeting, so I, I can't do that day.
1: Oh. Okay. Cool. Well, then let's look for another day. Um, I can Mondays are a little bit tough. Yep. And then the 14th, I've got my. I gotta go to the dentist as <laughs> in the middle of the toughness. Um. And then we've got our... The 16th, we have our yep. CSC and IRC yep. meetings. Um, it looks like I'm doing... What about next week? That what, looks better. Yeah, next week looks good. Um, what about from noon till 3 on the 10th? Oh, perfect. Let's okay. do one. Yep, perfect. I have a... Um, prelims thing that starts at three so i have a hard out but oh that's, that's fine
0: cool. we can we could even start at twelve thirty if you
1: want Yeah, let's start at one
0: okay
1: all right done in cool if you have a chance to upload those yep. that file yep. uh, would, uh that would be awesome and then i'm gonna try and edit it uh i got a meeting now until 3 30 and then that's it so i'm gonna edit i'm gonna edit uh before before hockey game we didn't even talk about the collapse that my hometown Toronto Maple Leafs had uh, in the playoffs and lost in the first round, and how uh, they they uh, they have left uh, um, a. a, a de- I just feel I felt dead last night. So, uh, I was you know, wow. But at oh. least I have another another team. I, I did see a play tweet play. that implied that something bad had happened. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I figured That's it was right. hockey related. It was it was hockey related. And I, I I was trying to, um... <laughs> and here it goes um hey this is from the guy that i tweeted hey at canes i just learned that my friend ben chapman benjamin chapman is going to the game tonight and he's a huge leafs fan so if you guys can show him a good time i'd really appreciate it this is a guy who is um in the sports talk radio world here in in raleigh oh nice uh, my my friend so now now his eleven thousand followers plus my plus the hurricanes um good nice excellent. Uh, all right, uh, I will. I will talk to you later.
0: All right, and I'll, and I'll drop the um, the raw uh, call recorder file, the full file. Perfect. And you can do and do what you want with it. I'll also get the show notes draft and titles I captured in the awesome. same folder.
1: Sounds good. Thank you, and I'll talk to you later. Sounds good. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.